Hey everybody, what's going on? It's Steve. I just wanted to pop in before the podcast gets started and give you a little bit of a heads up that my mic is super hot this week. Uh, I had an interview earlier in the day on Zoom and forgot to adjust my mic for the podcast. And unfortunately, it has come through in the file and it is too late to do anything about it. I have adjusted things. I have done my best. We hope that you enjoy the show and we will be back next week with everything fixed. All right. Take care. Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It's Wednesday, April 13th, 2022, and you're listening to episode number 542. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me for this week's show are Mr. Bob Ryer. I I may have to mute. I have a real sweet tooth. Sweet. Oh. Joey Brachito. How about that Thor trailer that dropped yesterday, guys? Yeah, man. I'm just putting it out in the universe. (laughs) Aaron Amos is here. Did anyone go to the movies this weekend? I did. Okay. You went again? I did not see Morbius again. (laughs) I saw everything everywhere all at once. Like you said, that is the correct answer. Yes, yes. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But first... John Burkle is in the house. I believe an 85% plummet is what Joseph is referring to. Oh, come now. Come now. We're, we're not there yet. Sorry. We're not there yet. There'll be at least a little bit of Morbius. Oh, I have a lot later. of Morbius. <laughs> uh, that Morbius God. talk is everything everywhere. No, I have some very good Morbius talk, actually, Ooh. to share with no. you. Mm. All right. All right. Uh, I'm going to kick things off. With uh, a question for the group. Oh, wow. Did you introduce Aaron? <laughs> yeah, yes. Oh, yeah, I'm here. Uh, I wasn't sure about that. <laughs> the Pantheon is collected this week. We can do it again. Yeah. Here. Okay. Look, it's really early in the podcast for me to forget I heard. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> everybody hold their breath. <laughs> we'll make it a nice game. Uh, Moon Knight. Let's talk about Moon Knight for a second. I was I'm, cruising I'm around on the- <laughs> cruise around on the internet like you do and uh i came across an article that proposed something that we actually mentioned or at least got halfway there last time uh but didn't really expand upon it and i have a question for the group mm. is there any chance that ethan hawk's character is dr doom no no you don't think so? not at all not at all where'd you see that not at all uh, CBR, yeah. actually. I saw the same article. Clickbait. Well, well, dude, everything is clickbait. Clickbait. Everything. Everything. Um, no, but like, just as a as a entertaining it for a second, you don't think so at all? No. No. Zero percent chance. 
Doctor Doom, you need like a, a heavy voice. You don't even need the like an actor in the suit. You need like a James Earl Jones voice. No, and also, why would you burn Doctor Doom yeah. like that? It could be a part of an illusion. Listen, I'm just trying to have some fun. Here. I think people are trying really hard to find connections between Moon Knight and the larger MCU. A friend of mine, we were texting about Moon Knight, and he was like, yo, Moon Knight, is the museum in Moon Knight the same museum from Eternals? And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, it, it literally is not the same building or the same anything at all. But everyone's desperate to find those connections. The great irony, of course, is that neither Oscar Isaac or Ethan Hawke or anyone on this show signed contracts for anything longer than Moon Knight. So, so the likelihood of any of these characters returning is up in the air to begin with, um, which is part of the reason why I'm eager to watch the show. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's isolated thing. With that said, after watching the second episode, and I know you all um, had very nice things to talk about uh, it last week, and I agree with a lot of your your um, evaluation of the show. Um, but after watching the second episode, I was like. This is cool. I'm enjoying it. Oscar Isaac is chewing the scenery, which I love. Um, I think it's going to be such a wonderful watch in one sitting, um, which I did a couple of the MCU Disney plus shows over the, oh, I had a spring break the last week. And um, I watched like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like top to bottom in one night. And I did the same thing with Loki and like, they're so good in one chunk because they're not, they're not meant to be TV shows, you know? And, and after watching the second episode of, of uh, the Oscar Isaac show, I kind of like, I kind of like got that. I was like, Oh, like this is going to be an awesome five hours that I spend one night. But right now it's like, I watch it and then I'm like, that was cool. And I just move on to the next thing, man. You don't savor it anymore. This is this is what binge culture has Look, done to us. Nothing has matched the 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 TV show like s- uh, like serialization of Wandavision. Like Amen. nothing has matched that. Wandavision. We all tuned in every Friday, every whatever Friday morning to watch that show, um, and then we watched it three more times during the week, and we talked about it with everyone. The and all the shows since then, I don't think has really captured that. Um, no, WandaVision was meant to be watched piecemeal. Well, that's the thing. And yeah. I actually think She-Hulk might feel that way too because it's modeled oh. after kind of like a sitcom. Yeah. But these other Marvel shows are just movies that they've cut into six chapters. Hawkeye felt I'll that way. I'll give you that. Yeah, I mean, I think Hawkeye yeah. totally felt that way. Like every time Hawkeye uh, episode ended, I was like, you're cutting there? <laughs> like you're ending <laughs> there? Like that's not a hook. Like <laughs> I, I, got, I got no reason to come back next week other than I love these characters. Um, I don't feel that way about Loki, though. I felt like Loki was – I say that because I felt like at times Loki seemed disjointed. Yeah. And so I had to watch it all in that sort of – I noticed it more because I watched it all at once that I didn't think it, it all flowed together. But I see your, what you're saying. I definitely think that about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, because Falcon and the Winter Soldier, top to bottom, one sitting, was awesome. And like – all the kind of like things that are, I don't want to say problems with it, but like some of its weaknesses, like some of the writing and things like that, it goes away when you're in this like, like political intrigue spy thriller zone for four hours, you know? Um, but yeah, Moon Knight is starting to, I'm starting to, I'm starting to see those cracks and, uh, 
it's crazy that there's already, we're already a third of the way through with it. Hmm. That's to your initial point, right. Steve. They're, they are teasing all that. There's the castle. There's this little village that could it just be Latveria? We don't even know where in the world it is, but it certainly looks Middle European. It's in London. Right, the, right, the, right. but the, the, it's sitting up on that mountaintop, kind of, who knows? Uh, Just like the, the Rorschach vibe. Yeah. But, it, you know, I don't, I don't know. Would that be Doctor Doom? Probably not. I think they're having fun with us. For the record... I'm not convinced that it is. I just thought that it would make for a fun topic yeah. to open the show. They're not going to introduce <laughs> Doctor Doom in Moon Knight episode one. Yeah. They're, <laughs> just, they're just not going to. I mean, all right. Well, let me hear here. How about this? Let me ask you this: What if Ethan Hawke is Mephisto? What if Ethan Hawke is Arthur Harrow and then Moon Knight ends and then Ethan Hawke also plays Victor Von Doom in the Fantastic Four movie? It's like when it's like his cousin. <laughs> I Charlie, love, Charlie like, Von Doom. Yeah, like seven years from now, Mephisto actually shows up in one of these things and he just pops up and he's like, it's me. You've been waiting this yeah. whole time. I, no, I actually genuinely don't. I was thinking about this the other day and... There's got to be an end at some point. Of what? To what? To the MCU. No. No, there doesn't. No, there, yeah, there does. I think there does. Dude. I think there is. I think We're 60 that, years into James Bond, Joey. Well, what happened at the end of the last one, Bob? <laughs> That's not the last <laughs> one. I'm going to here 50 years from now. It's I phase no. 500. But also the James now. Bond thing, the James Bond thing is different because those were formula movies. And until the last, until the Daniel Craig ones, it wasn't a kind of cohesive narrative in the way that the Daniel Craig ones were. So they were just kind of recycling okay. these kind of spy thriller action film things over the course of 60 years and obviously recasting. Were the MCU is a kind of unique animal in the sense of that it is being presented as a single narrative over time. And given the producers that are working on it and the characters that they're moving through at a clip that they're moving through it, let's be real. Captain America's off the table. Iron Man's off the table. Like at some point, I just feel like either you reboot or you put a bow on it. You, they, they can recast these characters down the line. I don't think so. I don't think, I think so. You can. I don't think you do. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think. Twenty thirty. Sean Connery. And no, then, no, no, no. Yes, but it's a. Yes. It's a different. It's a Guys. different animal. Look, it's in twenty thirty five, it's a one hundred percent. In twenty thirty five, Disney's not going to be like, "Hey guys, guess what? You love Robert Downey Jr. Here's." Jacob Tremblay as um, no. Tony Stark. That is what, not going to happen. There no, is zero what chance going that to happens. do. What they're going to do, they're going to do the same thing. Again, all the examples, um, James Bond, Doctor Who, they're going to look at the Superman, environment Batman. at the time. <laughs> and then they're going, they're going to look at the comics environment. They're going to look at this movie. If this is still profitable, if it's something that still holds the, um, the, the imaginations of that next generation, yeah. they're going to shape it to, to speak to that generation. Mm -hmm. That means they don't have to bring in Robert Downey Jr. because, well, he'll be in a wheelchair. But they will speak to whomever that generation wants to see or needs to see. But they will. There's no way they're gonna gonna gonna. That's like saying they're gonna wrap up Disney. I think they're gonna wrap up the MCU and they'll reboot it and do what you're saying and we'll do Iron Man one again or whatever. But I think at some point, whether it's Kevin Feige retiring or whatever, there's going to be a, a, a the end. 
kind of thing. In the same way that when Hickman did his Avengers run, there was that quote unquote the end, and then they obviously they rebooted so, afterwards. Di- so Disney, so Disney walks away from billions of dollars. Disney does not walk away because, like you're saying, they'll do something else. They'll reboot it, recast it, whatever. But what I'm saying is, I think that this the universe, story? this story ends. That's what I think. Well, that's different than saying the MCU yeah. ends. Yeah, no, I the MCU ends, and then you'll have the ultimate MCU or whatever. Yeah. That's what I think because I just I think the way that folding, they're we're folding they're, the Young Avengers into all this. But again, even the Young Avengers has an end date. Haley Steinfeld's not going to be making Kate Bishop Hawkeye movies for twenty five years. I think what Joey's saying is five, ten years from now, this iteration ends, and then yes. you recast and restart over with a brand new Iron Man. Captain America and tell a similar story again. I think it's it's Updated, becoming about yeah. identifying the semantics of what we mean when we say MCU. I think yeah, because the MU has had how many iterations with how many people playing as these characters, and we end up back around again. Yes, but I mean, the difference is that those characters are in the comics. Those characters are still the characters. They yeah, come but back around. That- they haven't always been the same. No, but it's still Steve Rogers as Captain America because they're just pictures on a page. I think the uh, the notion of like I don't think like the, the and we were kind of talking about it off air a little bit with like oh like recasting Black Panther or things like that. And I think there's a reason why they're not doing that. Why they didn't do that with with the World of Wakanda movie after Chadwick um, passed away. You know, I think that Kevin Feige and his circle of producers and the way that they're building this universe of movies, I think they're so committed to this. This, this narrative and universe they're building and this notion of connectivity, whether there's a plan or not, that I think that once that, once that team leaves, I think you cut the end and then you start over, well, which, which is an ending to me. And I okay. think that like, that's a clean, clean white. Well, I think like my son is going to be nine in June. It, it, 10 years from now, he's not going to want to go back and rewatch every one of these. But if you start something fresh with him and yeah. his generation, then yeah, maybe you can grab onto that group and then we'll always have our original and we, we'll check out the new. But yeah. I under, I so like, you know, you're, you're saying like my parents, Sean Connery is James Bond. Exactly. To me, you know, I'm wondering Roger Moore and so on. Yeah. I'm wondering what the. I'm wondering if it's like Galactus, like that's the like Kevin Feige's walk off, you know, like or, or maybe they Wars. do Secret Wars, yeah, and they shatter the world again, right? But like, what's uh, that's what I was thinking about the other day. Like, what's the what's the step off for this iteration of these movies? I think we're in the middle of it. I think it's all this multiverse stuff. Maybe you've opened up everything, every place, every time. Go wherever you feel like. We want to tell stories over here, over there, bring back old characters, recast because they're from some other universe. And you said the ultimates. Yeah, you, the story's sort of been based on that anyway in little bits and pieces. Well, the thing, too, and you guys were talking about this last week, nobody wants Andrew Garfield Spider-Man to come back. Like, nobody wants, like, Tobey Maguire's, like, nobody wants Amazing Spider-Man 3. It's like, it's Tom Holland Spider-Man, and, like, that's what people go watch. So, this notion that, like, oh, yeah, like, we could just, like, extend those stories and do it. No, that's not going to happen. I think either you keep making Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, or they're going to make a new Spider-Man. Like, that's the next step. Well, I don't think this this happens. I don't think this happens until one of these movies bombs, though. Until they stop being profitable. Because as long as these movies... <laughs> no, no, no. The are movies are always going to be profitable. Million. The movies right. are always going to be profitable. Morbius, I think, Morbius doesn't count. 
No, this Sony movies are just whatever. But the movies, the Disney movies are always going to be profitable because Disney movies are all most of the time always profitable because of the way they market and the kind of stranglehold yeah, but they no, have. But on like, look this at, look at uh, Rise of Skywalker. You know, that bombed to Disney standards. There's going to be a Marvel movie that have they announced make... any Star Wars films? No, exactly. That's what I'm saying. There's going to become a movie, one of these movies that might go to a in a direction or might take it somewhere people aren't interested in. And then when that happens, then the mouse starts rethinking this narrative and maybe moving towards something new. I think it's when Kevin Feige, Victoria Alonso and Nate Moore walk away. That's when this is done. Did you say the mouse? I did say the mouse. (laughs) That sounds like something I would say. Yeah. Something I would write in one of my articles. <laughs> my uh, uh, my cousins had a friend in their family um, went to the mouse, the the Disney World every twice a year. They had a timeshare, and uh, I was driving across the country once, and I decided they were all down there visiting, so I decided to stop. And just the prices, I told somebody that I got screwed by the mouse, <laughs> and the way this family looked at me, you would have thought that I. I poured sugar in their gas tanks after running their grandmother over with a tractor or something. Oh, it wow. was all this. You, you did not mess with the mouse. So I, just, I, I, yeah, I call it the mouse. I love animal kingdom. I'm a authorized wilderness explorer. Um, <laughs> but all of this is to say that no, Ethan Hawke is not Dr. Doom. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for bringing it back around. Or is he? <laughs> Good Lord. I did not think that that was going to take as long as it did, but there we are. Well, I wasn't on the show last week, so I have a lot of opinions. All right. Well, hold on to those opinions because we're going to be getting into some lightning rounds in in just a moment. Uh Um, Yeah, no, just a little quick show rundown. We've got a couple of news stories. We did have something special planned for this week, but it's going to have to wait. Uh, Stay tuned for that. Beyond that, though, we've got a lot of comments on this list that I'm looking at. And, um, oh, I know what I want before we get into our lightning rounds. Joey. Are you going to ask? You have been. Let's put, a, let's put a cap on it. Let's let's wrap it up. Chapter three, the final chapter. Yep, yep. How was your Robo Burger oh, experience? All right. So listen, do you, did y'all go to middle school? Yeah. Yes. yes. And did y'all eat those hamburgers wrapped in the foil that were warmed under the lights. Yes. Not if I could help it. Well, I chose to eat one of those out of a vending machine last week. (laughs) That is essentially what it was. It it tasted like I bit into it. First of all, the robot forgot my cheese. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, So you, you go, I, first of all, I went to the machine like three or four times two weeks ago, closed every time closed because they're only open certain hours, which makes zero sense to me. You're literally a vending machine Uh, or closed because some dude had to work on it. It was broken. And the, it, the machine is there, but a guy has to stand next to it just in case it breaks. And like, they kind of hide behind a curtain. So it's like, Oh no. And they're standing there with like their tool belt. I swear to God. It's okay. They're not like standing there waiting. Like this guy was literally standing there eating. uh, I think it was like Chick-fil-A or something. And I was like, wow, even the repair man is a robo burger. burger. But anyway, 
you swipe your card, you, you push the buttons on the screen. It's like, thank you for your order. It will be ready in eight minutes. <laughs> so I stand there at the mall for eight minutes watching this machine countdown. This other lady goes in and swipes her card and buys one. And it says, your, your burger will be ready in 16 minutes because it has to cook mine first and then cook her next. Yeah. So it, it was ridiculous. So I'm standing there. Finally, it like shoots out the bottom. It closes the box. I open the box. No cheese. I'm like, whatever. I go outside because <laughs> I, I can't eat it as this repairman is watching me, <laughs> judging me. <laughs> so I go outside. <laughs> I bite into it. And I'm like, this is taking me way back to seventh grade. Like, it's Ugh. like that kind of like chewy meat. But it's like it's like so Ugh. it's like so cooked because they want to make sure you don't die that like it's like chewy. It's just and it's just, it was just mustard and, and ketchup and the bread and uh, no cheese and uh no pickles and, uh, there was no pickles there's no pickles oh. on it it's mustard ketchup cheese burger bread and that that was it what were quickly what were some of the like fixins what were some of the condiment options or not that you it's were either you get it with the stuff or without the stuff what yeah <laughs> Look, it is ex- it is exclusively operating right now as an experience, as a novelty. It is a is a wholly unsustainable operation. <laughs> how, how much is the this? Is like a it, test kiosk. Like, it was like six bucks. It was like it, it's 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 a it's a middle school lunch. Like it's it's how much it is. Just for the burger, six dollars. Yeah. Big check yeah. isn't that much more. Yeah. Oh, absolutely! It's uh, a novelty experience if you're willing to spend the seven eight minutes, because because like it's it's situated in the mall right by where all the finance bros come in at lunchtime, which is why it's only open for certain like lunch hours. And their Patagonia jackets, <laughs> exactly, and their Patagonia vests. <laughs> but like, I cannot imagine the finance bros coming in, swiping, standing there for eight minutes, and if you're the second person in line waiting for sixteen minutes, and then like it just like it it makes zero sense. It makes zero sense. So it's exclusively a novelty thing right now. Um, it sounds like a punishment. It sounds like the type of thing that like one member of that group would have to go and buy Robo Burger for the day because they lost the bet. Yeah, I felt really bad because this couple came up, um, this South Asian couple came up, and they were like, "Oh, is it only beef burgers?" Because like they wanted a vegetarian option, and the guy was like, "Yeah, dude, it's only it's, it's only beef." So it's the like Burger Wizard told yeah, them. So, they. so it's like you, you can only like it's one thing. You either get it with ketchup, mustard, cheese, or you get it with just meat, and like. Like that's that's it. <laughs> How would you like a cheeseburger with no cheese? So that's my experience. Thank you for sending me on that assignment. I did that last weekend, and I watched Morbius last weekend. <laughs> so like, I did all these things for you, and I wasn't even on the show. All right. Well, go ahead. Why don't you continue? Tell us about your Morbius. All right. Experience. So I saw Morbius. Bob nailed it on the the, the nailed it on the butt there with the with everything his comments last week i um john mentioned that i was just texting the whole time um because i was about half an hour into this movie i was like this isn't fun it's not a fun movie um and i'm not going to go into like just railing against the gods of morbius again um i will say bob that my audience did not stand up cheering uh, at the end they walked out at the end like the credits rolled and they just left most of the audience and i was like and in my head i was like I know we all know that there are post-credit scenes, but these people just got up and didn't walked care. Out. Now, um, thankfully, I was at the dine-in, so I was able to imbibe a little and oh. also had a very delicious buffalo chicken sandwich. Um, 
so that was that was my Morbius experience. It's 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 exactly what Bob said. It's not fun bad. I am also a fan of watching Catwoman. It's I think it's awful, <laughs> but so fun and and uh, and like the first hour and first hour of fantastic four the josh trank one the body horror stuff is not bad it's when they threw together the last 20 minutes that it it really takes a dive so like there are bad movies that i will watch like in the background x-men last stand this is not one of those you know like it is just boring um which is really sad because when I watched the Morbius movie, I went home and immediately read the most recent volume of Morbius, The Living Vampire, and the one from 2013 Marvel Now. And they were awesome. So if you're watching Morbius and you're like, wow, this character seems really cool. I want to read something. Or if you watch it and you're like, I know this character is cool. What the hell was that? Let me read something. Check out uh, the two volumes of Morbius that that um, are – they're both on Marvel Unlimited. So the first one I read was um, – the Morbius, the Living Vampire, Volume Two. There are nine issues of this. This was written by Joe Keating, uh, with art by Rich Elson and Valentin Delandro. Valentin Delandro, big fans on the show, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one was uh, the second volume. Um, Doctor Michael Morbius, you know, he escapes from the rafts, which is, I guess, where Spider-Man put him or whatever. I don't know. I don't know the backstory. Um, and he's like seeking redemption. He wants a second chance, right? So he ends up in Brownsville, Brooklyn, and Brownsville apparently is so bad and so downtrodden. The superheroes won't even mess with it. Kind of like uh, what's a uh, Bloodhaven or whatever, or no, the place where um, uh, Black Lightning hangs out in uh, Brownsville. Yes, really. Yeah, that's what it said. That's what it said. Yeah. Um, Suicide slum there. Yeah, suicide slum. Um, But anyway, so they go there. The superheroes won't show up. So Morbius is like rolling around. He's got like sweatpants on. He's like, oh, God, my life is awful. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, oh, vampire. He's like, he's homeless. He's walking around. And he accidentally gets into it with like the local gang leader. And the gang leader's like this jacked up white dude and Morbius like accidentally bites his throat off. So like, it's like already like the craziest book ever. And then, um, so when he bites the guy's throat out, the gang shows up, but then also these like weird dudes in silver masks show up and Morbius ends up in this crazy gentrification development scheme and ends up being this like Robin Hood superhero who has to like protect the downtrodden from like developers. It is the craziest story. And at the center is a literal vampire. And I'm like, where was this in the movie? Like, this is the coolest thing I've ever read. Um, the art from Elson and Delandro is obviously great. Spidey shows up at some point too uh morbius living vampire volume three is from 2019 2020 there were five issues of this there was going to be an issue six solicited for ready for this march 2020 oops uh so that series never picked up again which is very sad because it was written by vida ayala um, who's doing awesome work with morbius at the time and the art was by marcello ferrera so this ended up being kind of like a self-contained little series uh, Morbius, the living vampire, you know, he wants to be more, he's struggling to find a cure and, uh, he's got a cure. He finds it and he injects himself with it and he starts growing wings and bones. And, and it's like, he becomes a super vampire. And I'm like, this is the craziest thing ever. And he's like, I can't control it. Uh, and then the melter shows up. Who's like, what the hell? The melter. And the, and the <laughs> melter's like, I want it for myself. And he's, and he turns into like this, like vampire dog and all his like cronies <laughs> turn into vampire animals. And Morbius is like, ah, oh, F you. And he's, and they all fight. And then Spidey shows up and it's the craziest thing ever. And I'm like, Morbius can be like schlocky fun 
Why wasn't the movie any of this? Um, and in both volumes, Morbius does not know how to fly. So there's that. Um, so yeah, Morbius. I really enjoyed reading the two volumes of the comic that I read. Um, they were like, you know, horror, pulpy, B-movie stuff. And I just really, really dug it. Um, the covers, obviously, if you look at the covers, are terrifying um which inspires the visuals i think that's one of the one kind of positive spots of the film is the vampire design on uh jared leto but uh the fun of the comics and the kind of like oh god my life i'm just a vampire all my life ah you know like that part is just (laughs) it's not there and i i wish that it was um that like, woe is me. I'm a hero, but I'm also ah, I'm gonna bite your throat like that. Like that, it was not there, and I just uh, whatever. Um, the Vida. Uh, so very quickly, reading Vidaiella on Morbius sent me down the the Vidaiella um, on Champions, which went to the Danny Lore Champions. Uh, Danny Lore did six to ten of Champions with Luciano uh, uh, Vecchio. Um, which ended up also being the end of that series, which I was very upset about when I got to issue 10. This was the killer app story. Um, look, if you wanted the champions doing corporate espionage, go for it. Cause, cause it's awesome. I really, really liked killer app. I know that when we jumped over to issue six and Daniel took over, there was kind of like a change in the voice and everything. Um, uh, uh, but I just, I, glad i was able to finish out the series and read those five issues back to back to back because i think it was a ton of fun i love those characters and when i got to issue 10 and there was no more champions i was i was really sad um and on a whole other plane of existence since i wasn't on the show last week i read all of rorschach one to te- uh, 10 or Ooh. one to 12 whatever it was in in back to back to back to the tom king uh jorge fornes with dave stewart uh book i dug it I thought this mystery, political intrigue, uh, felt like true detective kind of, um, kind of surreal elements to it as well. Love the artwork. The writing was cool in that chunk. Um, and it was just a cool dip back into that universe. Um, and yeah, that's what I've been up to. Read Morbius. Don't watch it. John, you are a uh, fan of Rorschach, right? Oh yeah, I love that. I uh, I thought I think Joey did it the right way and read it in a 12, 12 issue chunk. Agreed. Uh, but it, it's it's yeah, it's got political intrigue. It's it's connected to Watchmen, but it's not. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that story. I didn't finish it um, for exactly that reason. I, I felt like between each issue, I was forgetting too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it's too complicated to to to. I, w- I felt like I was going to have to literally read each issue again. Mm-hmm. Like if I read issue three, I was going to have to read issue two again. And then so far as all the way through. So I just say, let me just collect it all. There were times when I would read like f- three issues in a night before going to bed. And then I'd wake up the next day and then like the next evening, try to pick up with like issue four. And I'd be like, wait, what? So like, mm-hmm. even just like that gap, I was losing things. So I couldn't even imagine reading it month to month. If not more time. Yeah. I tried so hard. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I'm like, I think I'm defective. I can't get through this. It's yeah. all on DC Infinite Plus Universe, so yep. you can check it out now. So, so I was going to say, Steve in Canada. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yay, Steve. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> 
Go ahead, Aaron. You get your free healthcare and your comics. <laughs> um, so I was going to say my first thought when, because Joe, you weren't the first person who I was around who was asking why Morbius. Well, why Morbius? Um, and my first thought was, do we think Sony thought that they were creating their version of Batman? Yes. Yeah. Poor bastards. I want yes. If you when you watch the movie, it it, it plays like that. He's like this super genius, um, who like he kind of is in the book. But there's this funny moment in the Joe Keating one where like so he bites the dude's throat out, right? And he's like, oh, I'm a doctor, but he but he straight up says he's like, I'm not that kind of doctor, but I think I can help. So like you know like there's there's that sense of. Um, kind of self-awareness and 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 kind of uh uh just like pardon the pun battiness to the comics character that i think the 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 film version tries to create this like self-serious like um very moody gray toned like I, I don't even know and then like jared leto does do some kind of like weird stuff and obviously matt smith is like doing some crazy stuff too but like it just nothing in the movie justifies it. Whereas the comic, I think just embraces the ridiculousness of a human vampire. <laughs> a living vampire. Yes. You know, you he says that he's like, I'm a vampire, but like, not that kind. He's like, <laughs> like, 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 these are the lines he has in the comic. And I'm like, it makes a hundred percent sense. And it's like, why does he have a goatee? I don't get it. But anyway, he's like, He's like, I could walk in the sun and like someone tries to, yeah, anyway, anyway, read the book. Anyway, anyway, you went to go and see, uh, everywhere, everything all at once. That movie is incredible. And I cried at or the everything, end. everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once. That movie is incredible. So I have heard that movie, like audible laughter. It is mm-hmm. so funny. Um, and the, the characters are remarkable the story is so heady you gotta be it it asks huge questions yes in a way that is so meaningful and easy to understand and you walk out having had the time of your life but also thinking about why you're alive uh, you almost walk out exhausted because yeah. there's so much <laughs> there's so much to take in and deal with as you're watching it because it's like I said one minute you're you're laughing hysterically hot dogs if you know you know and the other minute you're like you want to cry you mean um, those trophy the scenes with the trophies <laughs> no that's not what I'm talking about that's equally as funny <laughs> but yeah I just I really think everyone should just stop. Just turn this podcast off right now. Go see that and then come back and let us know what you think. Yeah, it is. It is long. It's about two two fifteen probably. Yeah, about two four yeah. credits. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's all right. We've seen the Batman. It's fine. Yeah, and that was going to be on HBO Max in seven days. My mom went to go see the Batman last weekend. She came out. and She was like, "What's the big deal?" She loved it. She <laughs> thought it was great. My sister organized a school event with her, like. I guess I don't even know how old her her kids are, but uh, took took a bunch of the kids. They were they were they were let's say a little too young for the Batman, and uh, it was it was quite the thing. I'm I'm a little surprised that she was able to get away with it. But Joey, I gotta I gotta I gotta ask the question. Uh huh. How many times did you cry? I cried probably not 
throughout the movie, but I'd say probably the last 20 to 30 minutes, I was pretty much tearing up. That's valid. To, to, go, to, just, to just dribbling out my eyeballs. That's valid, yeah. <laughs> my eyes were running a couple times. I can't wait to see this movie. I'm hopefully going to go this weekend. Just I'm really looking forward to I it. Cannot, I cannot see enough. Michelle Yeoh. God damn. She's amazing. She's, she's getting a lot of work lately. She's doing a ton of stuff. Well deserved. It's very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. She's incredible. All right. Uh, if there's nothing else, we will move on. But no, Aaron. Okay. Here's where, here we go. Uh, I'm going to fly by the seat of my pants. So I read, hold on a second. Let me get myself situated here. All right. There we go. Sorry. I was, my headphones were falling off. So I read a couple of things. Um, actually, I read a bunch of stuff, but I, I kind of felt like the things that I were reading were, were, were just, I don't know. There was no, they were good, but they weren't great. So I wanted I wanted to really sort of bring to the show those things that I thought were great. So I thought I decided to jump back into New Masters uh, issues two and three because I didn't get a chance to read uh, issues two when it came out. And I say that because uh, the reason why I dove back in is because I was really excited and interested and engaged at the end of the first issue. You may recall when I talked about it on the show. I talked about the world building um, and the, you know, how genuine they were uh, in approaching this culture and these people and the the world, um, the relationships, the disenfranchisement, the, you know, without being, a, you know, heavy handed about it, but also giving you something to sink your teeth into from a, you know, from a comics perspective, from a, a, a science fiction-y perspective. And so we find ourselves again on Earth uh, awaiting the... There's multiple stories, I should say, so it's going to be hard to sort of keep track of this. But we have this scenario where there's a relationship between Earth and Jupiter. Jupiter has basically... Uh, the people of Jupiter, I think they're called the Jovians, have basically been creating this relationship with Earth where they mine Earth for this valuable ore called obsidian. Uh, we talked about that last time. Um, as you get a little bit deeper into the story, you realize this relationship is not necessarily an equal partnership, but rather subjugation to, to some degree. Um, and then there's these even layers of subjugation on Earth. Um, and you have people who feel certain kinds of ways about it. You know, you have those people that are, you know, living a relatively good life, even though overall the, the planet is being subjugated. But you have those that are, you know, really suffering at the bottom of the barrel. And so you have these storylines that are that are sort of spiraling out of that truth. Um, and we have a scenario where you have the girl that was introduced in the first story sort of setting the tone for, you know, what that sort of struggle is uh, introduces us to her parents, which springs into another storyline of how they are surviving you know, how they are keeping it together on this planet and what is going into the relationship between this planet and Jupiter and what they have to do as sort of pseudo pirate sort of heist people. Then you have this political side of it where you have the people of uh, the political structure of Earth, some of, who, some of whom want to have this relationship with the Jovians, others who 
recognize full well that they have kept us in, you know, as they say, kept us in, what is it? I can't remember the word they used. Anyway, basically kept their feet on our throats for, for thousands of, for a thousand years is what was said in the book. Um, and as you're reading it, you don't realize it at first, but there's a lot of different storylines with different perspectives going on. And, and like I've said with Seven Secrets, you don't necessarily know whose perspective is wrong. And they even talk about that in one of the issues. But in any event, you have the scenario where there is something that needs to get done. You're not exactly sure what needs to get done, but something that needs to get done. And there's someone at the top of the food chain who wants this group of people, these heist people, to do it. The heist people say no. But mysteriously, things start to go incredibly wrong for them. You realize that they're being extorted into doing this work. They do this. It creates all kinds of political intrigue and ramifications for the planet, for Jupiter, for the Jovians, for their children. It just, it all just starts to come together. And it's, it's, I, I found myself at the end of issue three, swiping to the left, trying to find issue four, realizing, oh crap, this is the end of it. Because it really did capture me. They did a lot of world building in three issues. Um, I am really excited about this book now, more more so than I was before. I don't know. I didn't give the team before that Shobo Coker and Shaf Coker, um, and I I can't I I really do recommend this book. It's a it's a fun book. It's a fun story. Um, well, not necessarily a fun story. It's a fun book. It's a good story, um, and it's one that's sort of coming at it from a variety of different coming at this 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 perspective. This, how do you want to say it that way? It's coming at this type of story from an interesting perspective. Um, the next book I read was Ordinary Gods Number Six, Joseph Clark, Kyle Higgins. I read, I think I brought this to the show a while ago. Um, and essentially, this is a story. I think it's about the people that did the old guards. No, 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 no. It's not by the people that did the old guards. I'm sorry. Um, there was some relationship there. I can't remember what it was. But I brought this to the show a while ago. Essentially, you have this scenario where the, there are these gods of a particular realm who for all intents and purposes were imprisoned on earth and they were doomed to sort of live this life of humanity, living, dying, living, dying over and over again, basically keeping them out of the fray so that the, the big bads can go about doing their thing unimpeded. So you also, but then you had this sort of ragtag group of rebels, if you want to call them that, who are going out to, find these gods in their human form and reactivate them. And each issue has been about reactivating the next god, finding them, getting them to remember everything that they had forgotten, taking them out of the cycle. Because essentially, if they get killed before that happens and they start the whole cycle all over again and everything is for nothing, um, time is running out. So this one, this issue brought us to a point where you find that they have five of the, I'm sorry, four of the five and they need that fifth. Uh, and you're trying to figure out who it is. Interesting story, fun, fun. They, you identify who it is, and what happens at the end of the book with, I don't want to spoil it, but there is a character that did some things that I just did not see coming. Um, and there was a lot of blood and a lot of crushed skulls, and I just did not see coming <laughs> from that particular character. Um, but I think it's just, I think this book is going to wrap up soon. I think there's nine of these altogether. Um, I think it's definitely building to a, 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 an interesting sort of climax. Um, I don't know. I seem to be drawn to these stories that are not done by the big two these days because it catches, there's language and dialogue that is not like what we are accustomed to reading or reading Marvel or reading. I, I read a bunch of Marvel books this week. I read a couple of DC books this week and there are things in there that I enjoy obviously because I keep reading them, but I feel like sometimes the, uh, 
you can predict where the language is going. You can predict where the story is going. You can predict where the dialogue is going. And I find myself being drawn to these books by um, independent artists, independent you know writers, because they are not bound to that. And so they give you things that are a little bit more at times authentic. And so I'm really enjoying that. It, it, even if the story in and of itself isn't you know, groundbreaking, I think the language and the way that it's being told, I don't know, entertains me more. So I'm really enjoying these. So I wanted to recommend them. And that is my lightning round. Damn. That was a lot of words you just said. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> I need a drink. I'm really excited for you that um, – you feel like New Masters number three really opened up the series. It's always fun when that happens. When something, a book that you're reading that you already like levels up and, and you're enjoying it even more. There's always a delicate balance when you see a writer or writers trying to do the A plot, B plot, C plot, D plot thing where you where they expect that it's all going to come together. And so often it's the case where they don't all come together. You know, you find yourself sort of wondering what, why, where, this, what's going on? Um, I feel like in three issues, they did a couple of things really well. A, they really took the time while telling the story to build out the world, to build out the universe. So you you understood what the motivations of each of those characters, what those A plot, B plot, C plot characters was, um, and they did it mm-hmm. through the story. Um, so you didn't, you didn't, you didn't have to. There wasn't a lot of exposition. That was required before they got to telling the story. They just told the story. You were able to figure it out. So I appreciated that. And then it all came together. Um, do you think, I don't know if, if maybe you alluded to this or not, but is this the type of thing with new masters that you think could maybe spin off into other things, kind of like the Radiant Black series has? I do, actually. There are. I think there are a couple of stories that we want here. There is a, a rebellion story. There is a political intrigue story. There is a, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There is, uh, I don't want to say slavery because, you know, that triggers people. But there is a, almost, what would you, how would you identify The Handmaid's Tale? How would you identify that? It's fiction. There you go. Dystopian. There you go. It's a dystopian, there's that that dystopian effect going on here. There's a variety of different storylines that I think, in and of themselves, could break off and carry a story on its own. Uh, so, uh, so I like that they're all the characters are that rich. Um, you got some. You got a, just a couple of well, a couple of panels of backstory for from one of the politicians today, and it really gave you that perspective in a way that changed the way you looked at the overarching story. Because at one point you thought, okay, we have we have the good guys and we have the mustache twirlers. But then you realize, well, okay, I'm sorry, actually, maybe she's not a mustache twirler. Maybe she's got a reason to feel what she's do <laughs> she does right now, and it has to do with exactly what she said in this very impassioned speech. So yeah, I'm enjoying it. Check it out. That that's cool, man. Sounds good. Sounds like I'm gonna have to pick that up after all. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Did anybody else have anything for Aaron? Nope. All right. Well, I'm going to say, uh, Bob, I'm going to save you for last because you have the biggest, biggest pile sitting there. It's a pile. And I'm real, ex- yeah, I'm really excited to talk about some of those. Uh, John. Yes. Why don't, you, why don't you dazzle us all with a lightning round? Oh, all right. I kind of like Aaron. I read a lot this week, but not, I mean, some of the stuff was a reread for something that didn't happen. 
might happen, future happen. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, you know the. Anyway, Devil's Reign number six ended this week. Uh, Chip Zdarsky, Marco Chichetta, Marcio Menez on colors, and Clayton Cowles on letters. So this entire event culminates in the violent collapse of the Kingpin's political machine. If you don't know, Kingpin is the mayor of New York or was the mayor of New York, is the mayor of New York. I don't know. Um, Matt Murdock is dead. And I put Matt in quotes. Uh, Daredevil is out for revenge. The purple man has gone crazy or crazier and is controlling all the villains and anti-heroes and citizens of New York and is pitting them against the last bit of heroes still standing. There's some great fight sequences. There's some great action. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much here, but, but Luke Cage has a moment. Um, I would love to see Zdarsky take on Luke Cage especially with Luke's political future possibly opening up to him. Um, this this of Devil's Reign number six not only is a fitting conclusion to this event, it's a fitting conclusion to everything that uh, Zdarsky and Chichetto and company have done over uh, this entire Daredevil run, which I do believe won best ongoing series for talking comics this year. That sounds familiar. <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. With good reason. Cause it is awesome. And I, I feel like Chris Farley today. Um, you remember that, that scene in Zdarsky's devil's reign where Daredevil beat the crap out of Kingpin. That was awesome. Um, <laughs> I had a moment earlier today. Um, anyway, this is this is great stuff. Start with Daredevil 1. Finish with Devil's Reign number 6. You will have a satisfying conclusion. And it sets up perfectly what comes next with what Elektra's been doing, where uh, Matt as Daredevil is right now. And it could put him headlong against the new Punisher, which I think would uh, be pretty damn cool because I I like me some Daredevil versus Punisher. There's some good classic stories there, and there could be some good future stories if this creative team uh, takes it on. Then I read Immortal X-Men number one, which should really be called Immoral X-Men number one. As the kids say. Yeah, this is Kieran Gillen, <laughs> Lucas Warnock, David Curell on colors, and Clayton Cowles on letters. <laughs> this is an X book I didn't know we needed, but I loved. Oh. Um, we've been talking a lot about how the X books have been spinning their wheels, kind of just kind of status quo story, status quo story. I think they were waiting for some new blood in, obviously, Kieran Gillen, who I believe, Joey, did you interview him? I did. All Ooh. right, Joey. Joey interviewed him <laughs> uh, to, for him to get on this book. This book is all about political machinations, but not just anybody's political machinations. Mister Sinister's political machination, as he is the narrator of this book, and I loved every minute of it. And uh, I don't it, think it, he can be a reliable narrator. I'm sorry. Oh no, he's not. But he's very open about he is an awful human being. Oh, well, that that fixes it. Okay, I'm, I'm in. 
you see his laboratory where he has um he has bred a cyclops cat. So he has this cat walking around with a cyclops visor on. Sure. Um, he has oh. all these clones of himself that he's updating constantly. <laughs> After the events of Inferno and Trial of Magneto, Magneto is leaving the Quiet Council to retire to Mars. So they have to pick a new um new member of the of the quiet council uh they 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 open it up to interviews uh there's some possible candidates uh and and you see the interview process how people will vote all through the eyes of mr sinister i thought zeb wells did a great job with sinister and hellions gillen knocks it out of the park with just his pompous a-holeness they're interviewing selena uh a selene one of the externals ancient mutants and all all sinister do, is doing is commenting on her cape and how good her cape looks uh there's very little action in this book and i don't think there needs to be very much action in this book just because the political intrigue and how much these leaders of krakoa hate one another makes for some delicious drama and Lucas Warnock did not, he didn't blow me away on Trial Magneto, but his stuff here was really, really good. Uh, there's some great, the opening sequence uh, is a juxtaposition to the opening of House of M with Mora approaching Professor X. But here we get Destiny approaching Mr. Sinister in Ooh. 1919. Um, just some great parallels. And this might possibly be the new blood that the X books needed. I unfortunately didn't get to read Marauders or X-Men Red this week, but I'm planning on getting to those. Uh, but maybe we're entering the second phase of this Krakoa story and things will start to pick up here as we go forward. And that is it for me. Love hearing your excitement about that, John. I know you were really into the X-Men and to have it dissipate your excitement yeah. have it, have the, key, the key to modern x-men is not jonathan hickman the key is kieran gillen's mr sinister <laughs> it sounds that way yeah and kieran gillen's mr sinister goes back to when kieran gillen was doing uncanny mm-hmm. after the avengers versus x-men stuff or right leading up to the avengers versus x-men mm-hmm. stuff into the aftermath and that is where this you know this this cape loving <laughs> faux royalty sinister you know foppish kind of character comes from and i just i've never read a sinister i've never read a, a, another sinister that i liked as much as this one and i didn't realize after reading immortal x-men how much i missed those like bar sinister gossip pages oh, yeah, those yeah. Gos- those blind items that he sends in i laughed so hard reading just those those text pages it's been a long time since we had those so mm-hmm. i uh, was so so excited for this book and i think you 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 got it i think it's it's such a uh breath of fresh air to a a stable of books that was just that was just floundering i think um there's another x-men coming out this week x-men 10 and i was just like i can't even remember what's happening in that book you know and but immortal x-men had my attention um from from the first sequence yeah and, and <laughs> go ahead Bob. Yeah, diving into your devil's reign i had i leaped through it at the store because i had heard some things uh, well, mm-hmm. I will be the guy who spoils stuff. 
but what the Kingpin's doing is really out there. It's something oh, yeah. very different where he decides to end himself up. Yeah, he takes a direction that's very unkingpin like. Yeah. And I liked it. I liked I I kind of he's an awful human being, but I I kind of want him to be where he's going. I want him to kind of stay there and maybe have a my tie or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Be happy. <laughs> Wear that tropical suit he wore in the Hawkeye finale. And just, yeah. yeah just, you know. catch, catch some typhoid, maybe, if you get my drift. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and the Luke stuff. There's potential there. The, yeah. I, 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 we're all huge fans of what David Walker was doing with, with Luke, mm-hmm. both with Sanford Green and without, and that Luke has not been a part of the Marvel Universe in a big way for a while. Let's hope so. Look, how many books can Zdarsky write a month? Can he write like all the books? Well, with (laughs) Substack in the way, uh, no, he doesn't even need to do the book. Walker could do. I sure hope so. Luke in this this situation. I mean, there's other characters or writers out there that could do this story, but I just think it could. It has the potential to be a very powerful story, especially in the the climate of today. Yeah, without being to spoil, because what I've read is incredible, but we, yeah. people should discover for themselves. But Luke as the, initially going back into his 70s incarnation, the sort of reluctant defender of the regular people that he grew into across, particularly Steve Englehart's run. Mm-hmm. And then that pulled into what what David Walker was doing. It's, it's a character with an arc that's gone now. It's 50 years of Luke Cage. Uh, yeah. It's a bummer. Coates is done with Marvel, right? Oh no, yes, exactly. Coates would write the best Luke yes. Cage Mayor book. <laughs> yes. Oops. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> That's not spoilers. That that was teased in like Devil's Reign two. Oh okay. But yeah. Oh boy, Tanahisi Coates on Luke Cage. Yeah. Woof. Woof. Woof indeed. John, I just want to say from from you from from me to you, I really appreciate that you were able to find a way to reuse that joke to repurpose it <laughs> for tonight's podcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was, John and I, I was, were talking earlier and <laughs> made that joke. I was watching the Chris Farley Paul McCartney interview for the Chris Farley show and just rolling. I watched like five I watched the De Niro one then and uh that that's so my interview style eventually. <laughs> I still love, even though I don't know how to feel about it now, but I still love Chris Farley's El Nino when he's doing the weather. I'm the Nino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spanish for the Nino. So um, good. Yeah, anyway. Uh, um, all right. That's your that's your daredevil and X-Men. <laughs> Yeah, for the podcast. Aaron, you got anything else? Aaron ventures into the unknown. I venture into the stability of Marvel. <laughs> hey, listen, everybody! Everybody brings you know their own little bit of flavor. And look, nope. if a title is talked about multiple times on the show, it's usually talked about for a reason. Yeah, like unless it's a hate read, which this clearly is not. Then uh, you know maybe it's something that you should be checking out. No, I've been staying away from Avengers. Oh, well, there's look. John's just going to beat it into everybody to read Daredevil (laughs) and X-Men. Hey, look, come back. Moving forward. Immortal X-Men. Or you could read Savage Avengers by David Pepos. Coming soon. Oh, I will. I will. And I'm going to catch up with Avengers. I have, I want to read this, uh, 
Gillen's doing this day of judgment with the Eternals. And I, as I went back and reread the Eternals, I appreciate that book a lot more as well. And I think with Immortal X-Men, I think Jason, I mean, it's Jason Aaron. There, there's got to be something there. I got to, I got to maybe give it another yeah. go. But dude, like I, I went back into the archives for Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I have, I didn't buy any books last week. Um, cause everything I was reading burger. was on. I did buy a, I did buy a robo burger. My comics money went to a robot. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I went into the DC universe and I went into Marvel Unlimited. And yeah. That's what I that's what I read last yeah. week. Yeah. Hey, could, yeah. should I throw it out there? What was everyone's comicsology experience this week? I didn't get anything. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There's one, Aaron. I literally now identify well in advance what I'm going to read, and I just do that. So gotcha. I look. So I will at see. the end of this show, you'll see, you'll hear that. Remember how I said last week, this is a pool of things that I may read. <laughs> yes, that's right. So <laughs> I looked yep. through and I picked a handful of them that I felt like I would actually have that. Well, because obviously, you know, my time is sort of mm-hmm. very limited these days. So I went through and said, what would I most likely actually get done? And I said, click, click, click. I'm out of here. Nice. I, <laughs> I found wait. that if you pre-order or subscribe you the the experience is not as I mean because I I knew I was going to read the end of Spider Man Infinity which I still I, I there's not enough there's not enough words I have to how awful they treated <laughs> Ben Riley in that wow. book I cannot I like I I, I do not like the Amazing Spider Man Clone Saga one bit. Thank but you. Ben Riley did not deserve what happened oh, to him. Not his fault. In that right. book. Okay. No. And and I so I, I pre-ordered them. I just like clicked one day when I was there. I just like hit, hit, hit. Then I forgot <laughs> I did it. Wow. And it, but Amazon does not even give you like Comixology used to send you an email, your newest latest yeah, subscription exactly, yes. is available. And so I was like. I went into it. And I was going to catch up, and I was like, "There's all these amazing Spider Man." I was like, "Oh yeah, I bought those." It's like, there's no way to keep track of what you have That's done. So, and yeah. It's so just, to, hmm. to on top of that, I noticed when I went back in. I okay. So short story, I bought one history of the Amazons. At least I thought I did, but then oh. when I went into <laughs> my comiXology app it wasn't there i refreshed everything else came so i literally went to look at my receipts but they don't list which books you buy in your receipt you have to click the link and then have it launch oh, Amazon gosh. Each time yeah. to see yeah. what you got and there was point after getting to like the eighth receipt or the sixth receipt or something like that you find what you're looking for but i, I clicked through and i found that it was there but for some reason it would only appear on the kindle app it wouldn't show up on the comiXology app what every other book came through but that one so then i was like all right well i read it on the kindle app and then i kept refreshing the comicsology app nothing well then about 10 minutes before recording today i happened to look and now it's displayed on the uh, wow the comicsology app so i don't know what that experience i don't know what that was all about but some, some things need to there's still some bugs there amazon you might need mm-hmm. to send it back through testing <laughs> steve how about you um, for me, it's pretty simple. I like, you know, I have my, my list every week. 
I mentioned that one of the chief concerns and problems that I have with the new comicsology is that I don't know what I'm spending mm-hmm. every week. Sure. So, but what's happening now is that instead of feeling like I'm like overspending, I'm sacrificing books, oh. which while I'm saving a little bit of money, I don't necessarily love to do that because I'm not keeping up with my books. Uh, I have less and less things to to bring to the show these days as I'm like searching for new books to talk about each week. Um, but I am finding that because the comicsology experience is so like leaves such a bad taste in my mouth every week that it is helping me to save money on comics because I'm not as I'm not impulse buying as much as I used to. That's not how su- that's not is- supposed to work, right? If <laughs> when you no, go into a store, it's-, it's the impulse buy. Hey, maybe you'd like this, and that's what Comicsology gave to people. Yeah, it's a it's a double edged sword. And so what I did this week was I actually went down to my LCS on Friday nice. to pick up our Wonder Woman Historia because I absolutely want that in you know physical format. Uh, sadly, I did not get to check it out yet because I didn't have the time. But we do have that, and I picked up uh, another copy of Oh My Gods uh, for the library, and then one to gift to a friend. And um, you know, like. I am, I don't know. I'm in a weird, I'm in a weird place with comics these last, I'd say like this whole year, ever since we were done with the the last awards where the sense of urgency to read everything has kind of left me. I'm, I don't know if it's age or what, but I'm kind of developing more patience for this sort of thing. And the comicsology experience really helped push that into overdrive yeah and and you know but on the other end of the spectrum i like buying books even if it's through comiXology i know they're evil and all of those things but you're still buying the books you're still contributing mm-hmm. to the numbers that we never see and you're helping these creators get their work mm-hmm. out there and then we talk about it here and all the good things that come from that um they have just it's like I said, they took the Wednesday ritual, the Tuesday, Wednesday ritual that I used to have that took me not even two minutes, but was such a satisfying, like, bop, 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 you're done to this arduous, did I or didn't I <laughs> routine? And it sucks. And, and and so, yeah, so I don't know. I'm in a, I'm in a little bit of a weird funk <laughs> with some comics these days. Well, the one comics are quality, but the, the process of getting the, my hands on them is shit. So, well, the one thing I definitely do when I'm creating those parameters around what I'm going to purchase is in comicsology, I go specifically to the week that I'm looking for and that's it. Yes. I, I yeah. am not doing that whole, this is what's new. I'm not doing that whole, I'm just going to the week that way. I know I couldn't have bought it because it, this is, <laughs> it just became available today. Yeah, um, I miss the sale. I'm sorry, Aaron. I didn't mean to. No, I was going to say, and that's pretty much the only sort of boundary I have on on those things. Just just the date. No, this is the last thing I'll say. I I miss the old sales tab. Mm-hmm. I miss going to that tab just each week, every you know, see what they've refreshed. And granted, like I either have the majority of those titles or there's stuff I'm not interested in. But every now and again. There is a sale, and I'm like, oh wow! All the like, Hellboys I, I, are available out of nowhere. 
yeah, like whatever. Like there, there's there's stuff available. And granted, there still is a sales section, and there's still, but it just it doesn't feel curated like the other ones do. And it's a mess that if you if you click the wrong thing, you're sent to like the overall search for that topic. And it's like we said before, you end up with what Batman water bottles. <laughs> As opposed to you know the Batman that you're looking for, um, so whatever it's a it's a work in progress. I'm not nearly as annoyed by it as I used to be, but the only reason for that is because I'm interacting with it less, which is bad. Mm-hmm. So, you know that's that's the saga. That's the story. Look, I'm a retailer for 45 years, sort of. And all the things mm-hmm. you guys describe are so anti the old retail model of things. Now, it, it doesn't matter whether it's brick and mortar or online. It's the idea is to enhance the experience, to after sell, to upsell in, a, in the proper way of, I know you like this album or this movie, and so you might like this. And if it's done organically, it becomes a relationship between the store and the customer and comiXology was founded by people who, who love comics. Amazon, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely feels like the, you know, the big company came in and restructured things to a point where people just don't enjoy it as much. And uh, we'll see. I don't know. They, they've got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep checking in on it because that's, Unfortunately, that's the way that I get my books these days. I do not have the room to physically collect things again. I just, I just don't have it. I live with someone else. We share a space. Like it's, you know, it's limited. Yeah. And plus, we've already got like a ridiculous uh, graphic novel and collection of whatever library on top of that, an entire room. So, Oof. anyway, that's the deal with that. Uh, I'm gonna talk about some books. <laughs> Power, endurance, skill, and tactical thinking. Jesus. Mankind has invented many sports that test these attributes, pushing the boundaries of what the human body is capable of. But a new sport has risen and has taken the world by storm. A sport so intense, so complex, so beautiful, that it has been officially titled the world's official premier sport. That sport is known as the amazing art of fruit stacking. (laughs) Legend says that a champion whose fruit stack touches the sky can make dreams come true. And there's a dude in his, like, wife-beater white tank top lifting up this giant stack of fruit to the sky. The sky is opening up, the clouds are parting, the light is shining down, and in and around his raised arm and the armpit, his shirt is ripping apart at the seams ah. and swirling around him in this totally like anime shonen style. And he lines and everything. Got the whole oh, yeah. oh, great. It is so it is so ridiculously epic. I and so by the way, this is called Plum. This is a, a webtoon by Sam Lim, and it is epic you're you're scrolling down you're reading all this stuff about sports it's super serious it's very the artwork is very um 
like painterly and evocative and you see all this like sweat coming off of these Olympic athletes and it's all serious. And then you get to this absolutely ridiculous fruit stacking concept, but it looks like Rocky at the top of the stairs on steroids to the power of 1000. It's amazing. Anyway, Plum wants to be a fruit stacker. It is her life's dream. And damn it, she is going to figure out how to do that regardless of other people thinking that it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Plum is, I've only read maybe about four episodes of it, but I have already met several wacky characters for a very, very strange premise. Uh, You've got your like Team Rocket style Pokemon uh, team that like you thought they were going to be villains, but maybe they're friends. Uh, You got this stranger who's coming into the fruit stacking world, not knowing a thing about it. So that's kind of your entry level character of how we learn about it. But the enthusiasm for this sport that is so absolutely ridiculous so far is very infectious. And it just was, I was smiling from ear to ear the whole time that I was watching this. It's very bright. It's very cheerful. It's very silly. Um, It doesn't take itself too seriously. And even in just four episodes, they are very short, but very, very cute. Uh, I'm hooked. And apparently this has been on hiatus for a while. And season three is going to be starting up soon. So there's a lot of this. And I was left, I left this last night thinking to myself, like, where is this possibly going to go? But then I remember that shows like One Piece and other things of the like have gone on for hundreds and hundreds of episodes. So who knows? Uh, this could be the beginning of something really epic. I have no idea, but I'm really, really enjoying it so far. Um, it was a it was a feel good thing, and uh, and I wanted to feel good at that time. <laughs> uh, next on my list is Alice Ever After number one. This is created by Dan Pantosian, with uh, illustrated by Giorgio Spalletta and and Dan Pantosian. Um, sorry. Uh, Panosian, not Pantosian, uh, colored by Fabiana Mascalo and letters by Jeff Eckleberry. Here we go. <clears throat> Alice first visited Wonderland as a child. Now grown up, it's become her only escape from a cold, harsh world that feels even less real. A distant family, a tormented lover, and a father with secrets he'll do anything to protect. But in order to return to her fantasy... Alice will need something much stronger than mushrooms. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. Cursed with a growing addiction, Alice oh, is forced into, a twi- into the twisted underbelly of London and pulled ever further from reality. In her obsession with Wonderland uh, being truly a respite, uh, her, one-way t- uh, her one-way ticket might land her in the asylum. Okay. Oof. Let me tell you something. This book is very cool. Have any of you ever seen Return to Oz? Yes. Years and years ago on videotape, actually. Yes. I have broken several VCRs rewatching that movie. It's one of my favorite fantasy movies from the 80s. Uh, It has that kind of vibe to it, that kind of like dark world version of vibe to it. But it's Alice in Wonderland. The people in Alice's real life are essentially mirror versions of the people and creatures that she's met in Wonderland, though several of them are just miserable. And they see Alice as this problem child who's a blight on the family name. Except for Edith. Shout out to Edith. She's Alice's, I guess, younger sister. 
She's really sweet and inquisitive. She's the only one besides another character uh, named Earl Proud who genuinely cares about Alice's well-being. Really, really like Edith a lot. Uh, Alice uses uh, drugs that she gets from the local pusher man to return to Wonderland whenever she gets overwhelmed. And her need to escape is treated like an addiction in this story. And it works really well, given what we already know from the original adventures in Wonderland. Also, the art is spectacular. It begins with this Joel Jones meets Disney look for the real world and then shifts into a Dodson-like fairy tale world for the Wonderland parts. They're very different and both very, very cool. Uh, There's drugs, murder, escapism. And also, I forgot to mention that the whole story is written from the perspective of Alice's cats, Kitty and Snowdrop. So, as it should be, yes, <laughs> it's 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 a very unique perspective, and it's very entertaining. Uh, it's a lot cooler than I'd anticipated. I think that Xenoscope has poisoned the fairy tale comic scene for me <laughs> throughout the years. I love this stuff. I love these characters. I love these stories. I always have. I grew up with them. I have owned so many different versions of the Grimm's fairy tale collections. They're part of the reason that I wanted to be a writer when I was younger. Um, It's nice to see someone doing something in this space that actually feels unique. It's a, it's a unique approach to the source material. Um, And just visually it is spectacular, both, both versions, both the real world stuff and the Alice in Wonderland proper stuff is really cool. I loved kind of picking the characters out from Alice's real life and recognizing who they are from Wonderland, how like the butler is the caterpillar, uh, the pusher man is the rabbit and so on, the the March hare, so on and so forth. I haven't spotted, I don't think I've found Mr. Walrus yet. It's Paul, but I will. Me. Everyone knows that. <laughs> I'm sure that he's lurking somewhere, but I just, I love kind of the, Victorian, not quite steampunky vibe uh, of the kind of the fashion and the world that Alice is living in. Uh, I can't wait to see her family kind of get theirs with the exception of Edith. She's wonderful. Can't touch her. Uh, And I love the cat perspective. I'm a huge cat person. And the cats narrating the story even have like their own little cat head uh, icons or avatars next to their like word bubble so that you know which one is talking and you meet them later in the story and they're like kind of gonzo and rizzo the rat from the muppet christmas carol or they're, they're your narrators and they're like hey it's us what's up we've been talking to you this whole time anyway back to the story uh it's good it's good like i said i love these types of things i am always a little trepidatious with giving them a shot because i've been burned a lot um, sometimes a premise sounds really good and then you get to it and it ends up being quite terrible. I remember what was that, that reindeer story that Sarah was so excited for. Oh, I, I, yeah, I do remember, but don't remember the name. Of right. The, yeah. We thought it was going to be like a shirtless bear yes. fighter and that it turned out to completely not be. <laughs> so there's always the chance that these types of series can end up like that or just be this, you know, cheesecake factory of bad taste uh and this is this is not any of those things this is actually really clever uh very very well presented 
And I'm genuinely excited to to read the next issue. I, I, I it was cool. I walked away from it feeling pretty good. What what company did this one? Uh, this is a boom book. Uh, well, see, you've got a shot right away. Yep, it's good stuff. Uh, oh, and la- last but not least, I'll I'll just touch on this super quick. I read crossover after we've been talking about it for a little bit. I read seven through twelve Oof. and got caught up. It was a good time. I kind of wish that I didn't know some of the things that I knew from our conversation because I was like, oh, that's that thing. And that's the other thing. But beyond that, the thing that I really like about Crossover, I think the thing I like most about Crossover is that it is a comic book ass comic book. It is the kind of thing where I'm always talking about, oh, this would make for a great you know, TV adaptation. You should take this story and turn it into this and turn it into that. Crossover is one of those things that feels like it only works in the comic book format with all of the characters, all the, the rights nightmare that that thing would be. Uh, and just the stuff that's going on in it, the meta-ness of it, the meta-ness of this series is out of control, uh, but it works. It works because it is so zany and it is so off the wall that um, it's a ride. It's, it's, it's a good time. It's a good time. Um, Some surprises, not surprised, but other than that, it was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, And now I'm getting caught up with Captain Marvel because I'm, I'm woefully behind and I've been making my way through that, but maybe I'll talk about that next time. Cool. Boom. And that's it for me. Uh, if there are no questions, we will move on to Mr. Bob. Oh, really? Okay. So, some quick hitters before my main event. Fantastic Four number 42 by Dan Slott, Rachel Stott, Jesus Arbutov, Eric Arcianiega, and Joe Carmagna. Just another amazing chapter in this Reckoning War deal that's going on. Just chock full of danger, emotions, my way of thinking, this is the way you do an event, self-contained, absolutely on point. She-Hulk number three by Rainbow Rowell, Roger Antonio, Luca Maresca, Rico Renzi, and Joe Carmagna once again. It proved that this was the perfect creative team to relaunch this character, particularly with the upcoming TV show on the horizon to get people involved in, in, in what Jennifer Walters is. Strange number two, Jed McKay, Marcello Ferreira, Don Ho, Jada Tartaglio, and Corey Pettit was a mixed bag. Loving the story and how Clea is being handled, but still not thrilled with the art, although I do have less kvetching about this particular issue. It's a lot of fun. Captain Marvel Annual Number 1 has art by Carlos Gomez, colors by Dijo Lima, letters by Clayton Cowles, and was written by Torrent Grumbach, whose work on various Jane Foster books had me nominate them for Breakthrough Writer. Well, Miss Grunbeck writes a very cool Carol Danvers story, too. Got a fun prison break story uh, featuring the Star Jammers and the very touching return of a well-loved character from Kelly Sue DeConnick's run. I'll say nothing else until it comes up with someone else. Uh, there's a new Rocketeer miniseries by... Uh, we've got Stephen Mooney, who did the very lovely retro adventure Half-Bass Danger, which I think Steve gifted me at some point years years back. 
So he's a perfect fit for this tale called The Great Race. Yes, of course, we have Club Secord, we got Betty, we've got some Nazis, and we also have a character who seems suspiciously like Nikola Tesla, or at least I'm thinking that's who this is. We've got wonderful colors by Len O'Grady, letters by Sean Lee, all just masterfully done for periods just same. A sad note to close this segment. Black Widow number 15 marks the end of this run. But Kelly Thompson, Elena Casagrande, Rafael Pimentel, Elisabetta D'Amico, Jordi Belair, Corey Pettit, and Clayton Cowles, they go out in high style with an issue that embodies, well, all the amazing combination of action, humor, and family that this series has brought to bear throughout. Uh, look, it's sad to see this end, certainly. It, but I'm so happy to have had the chance to read this run, which I put near or at the top of my Black Widow history. Mm-hmm. So, sad to see you go. Main event, it's a double bill. Oh My Gods 2 by our dear friend Stephanie Cook, Incha Fitzpatrick, Juliana Moon. Delightful confection that continues the journey of Jersey Girl Karen as she finds her way at her new school, Mount Olympus Junior High. This time around, her gaming night with her friends back home is hacked by the evil Minotaur, who just so happens to have a maze below the school, because you're a Minotaur, right? I mean, that's how these things work. Now, you'll be captivated by the characters, and there are some surprise twists here, just, just going to say without spoiling. And th- those, those characters really show a wonderful camaraderie in solving this latest mythological mystery, all while delivering some wonderful messages about friendship and fitting in. And yes, very soon we will have Stephanie back on these airwaves to talk about it. Finally, oh boy, Wonder Woman Historian Volume 2 by Kelly Sue DeConnick, Gene Ha, Wesley Wong, and Clayton Cowles is absolutely stunning from first page to last. There were so many impactful and emotional moments that I can't list them all without taking up, I don't know, the rest of this program. But just to say, there's a two-page spread that I'll call No Justice that will absolutely take your breath away. (laughs) This volume keeps much of the focus on Hippolyta, and considering what's going on over in Trial of the Amazons, I'm especially moved by seeing her growth into becoming the queen. Great messaging, a powerful story told through perfectly crafted words and images. Simply put, this is another masterclass in storytelling, and I can hardly wait for the volume three in the fall with art by Nicholas Scott. I'm done. Yeah, pour one out for Black Widow, huh? Woof. Duh. I saw the news about Black Widow before I had the chance to read the book. Uh, Kelly Thompson was tweeting stuff out, and I just was so sad. I was like, no! It's happening again! Just so great. Such a, I mean, I, you, Bob, you mentioned that it's one of the best uh, Black Widow series that you've ever read. I, for me personally, it is the yeah. best Black Widow series that I've read. Uh, granted, I haven't read probably as much, but in the time that I've been reading that character for the past 10 years, this is absolutely this and the Saskas, yeah. I think, have been my 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 two series that I've really, really just out and out enjoyed 
that character being uh, written by by that team, and just a an absolute force of nature with Elena Casagrande coming out on this book and killing it every single time and moments that were genuinely jaw dropping. I won't say what, but like there was a moment in black widow. I, I had to read 14. And yeah, okay, back, read back back yes. yeah. And like, there was a moment at the end of 14 that I just went, what? And, um, but you know, resolved very coolly and, and very like, don't worry, don't worry. We're going to, we're going <laughs> to fix it. The next, next creator won't have to deal with it. It's fine. But that moment but, without um, saying where, Clint talks to her about it in, in the, yeah. oh, so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's filled with great moments. It's a great, it's a great final issue. I don't know if they knew that they were being canceled. They probably did, but I've noticed that we're getting more books that simply there's no announcements. They just end. They end in, in the books themselves. And, um, I don't know if I love that trend. No, they I know you'll stop buying it. Yeah, it's true. That's that's they you know, know what? That's if you know it's ending more odds than not, you're going to wait for it just to be online or something. Yeah. They'd rather yeah, leave it open ended. Mm-hmm. Cause we had all those uh, like sword and X books, like hellions. They just ended. I had no idea that those were the last issues. Yeah. Right. And Kelly Thompson had tweeted that she wasn't supposed to say anything. And that's probably just what you're talking about, John. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, I really enjoyed it a lot. I mean, enjoyed the run overall. I think it's fantastic. I think it's something that I will revisit. So it's certainly something that when they do come out with like an omnibus version or a collected version, I will be all over. I it. want some director's cut behind the scenes, Elena Casagrande. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like character concepts yeah. and, and stuff like that, I think would be great. Uh, and super quick, just for me, I'll touch on, uh, I'm really enjoying She-Hulk a lot, great. a lot, a lot. I'm a little, I was a little disappointed. I don't know if I'm just not paying attention, but I didn't know that this was a limited series. I had no idea this was only five yeah. issues. So I got to the end and it said, you know, three of five, and I was just like, oh, so well, look, I guess that's just the way it goes. Look, it, if the show hits and this book is selling well and, and the pre-orders were pretty good on from what I've read, you'd never know. Yeah. Black Widow was supposed I to think, end at eight and we got 15. Right. I just I think that this is this is a very specific uh, Jennifer Walters story for fans that love kind of the slice of life She-Hulk as opposed to the super punchy uh, courtroom style She-Hulk. You know, this is, this is not that story. It's a quieter book. And I really, really like that. It's got a lot of heart to it. It's the, it's the, it's and, the slot run told through almost a burn lens at a certain point. We're getting sort of a She-Hulk's greatest hits the way I'm reading it. And that could yeah. be better for me. And I think also really great for newer readers as yourself. I just wonder where we're going to leave the character after only five issues. Like we're already three into this and I just, I mean, we won't know until it comes out, but I'm, I'm curious as to where we're going to leave her and what, like how they're going to reposition her 
to then just drop it after five. They'll leave her with the uh, brand new origin story like they did with America Chavez. Oh, don't <laughs> say that. Please don't. Oof. I'm really, really enjoying She-Hulk a lot. I love the art. I love the art so, so much. It's great. And we get, we get um, Andy the awesome android returning for those who read the slot run or read the X-Men way back in the day. John, you remember the awesome android. Oh, I remember the Andy, the awesome android. Yeah. And he, yeah. He's back. He was in when he was living in that apartment building she was in yes. with all the other. Yes. Yeah. He's back. You should read the slot run, Steve. Oh, yeah, that's great. Uh, what, She-Hulk slot? Yeah. <laughs> Say that carefully. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, that's awful. Uh, uh, episode, no, no episode title for that one. Um, I, I, I have all of it. I have all of it in my, uh, my long boxes. I actually collected that from uh, Rob's Basement of Wonders it, back in the day. Pull it out and read it. You'll get you'll what you're loving here. You'll love back then. And so many dirty jokes right now. And you can finally read The Reckoning War. Yes. <laughs> hey. Issues three and yeah. 20 or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Let's um. Let's touch on some of these other uh, books really quick before we get to the big one. Uh, John, do you want to say anything about Fantastic Four? Reed, is, Reed should never have the Watcher's ability because he's an a-hole. <laughs> I mean. What he no, does I, here, I, yes, is, is not good. He is not. Uh, this book was not fun from that perspective. But no, it's. I, I'm enjoying this. I, I'm kind of surprised Marvel's just letting him do it in the book rather than making this like a an event. But uh, it, it's it's good stuff, and I'm glad that he's finally getting to do the Reckoning War. That that uh, Aaron, go ahead, Aaron. Oh, how's that? I did. This is going to shock you. I didn't so much hate what Reed was doing. Um, <laughs> controversy I, I didn't so much hate it I think probably because I, I knew they weren't going to do that but yeah. also because one of my pet peeves in stories like that is everyone always wants everyone else to make the sacrifice but never wants to make the sacrifice themselves <laughs> <laughs> so you know they're always like well we have to do it for the bigger picture blah 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 blah. oh wait unless it's my stuff that's getting broken yeah and so i like the way reed did that yeah it was I, don't get me wrong my heart grieved for ben that page by rachel stott that one when yeah. Reed yeah. put, we would say what we puts that news out there, and it's just faces, just real close up on faces. Wow, absolutely, absolutely. yeah. But I mean, at the same time, it's the entire, it's all of creation that's at mm. stake. Yeah. So, are you really going to stand back and say, "Not my stuff"? All right, not my. You know, but then at the same time, it was just a second earlier. <laughs> that somebody was standing on death's door anyway. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, I just, with that said, I didn't love the art for this book. Huh. No. Is this the same people who did the art for Empire? No, that was Valerio Sheedy. Okay. Yeah, I didn't this love is, the art. I don't, I don't know where Rachel Stott's been, but she, I think she felt, I, or I felt she looked, it was a little rushed on this one. Like she maybe got this assignment late and now she's getting a little bit behind because it felt a little off to me as well. 
the the art didn't match the weight of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I needed the art to be a lot more dramatic because the weight of this story, like you said, it's not an ev- it's not a separate event, but it is a it's a universe, you know, changing, you know, I guess event. Yeah, but um, it it seemed a little bit too cartoony at times. Yeah, for me, w- and it sort of took me out of that the weight of the story, the the tension of the story. I, w- I wish they would have let R.B. Silva finish this mm-hmm. arc yeah. before they pulled him for Captain America. Not to say that it's not good artwork. It just, it like you're saying, Aaron, it doesn't fit the weight of this story. Just uh, yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame yeah. because I would I would have given this like an almost perfect. Yeah, it was just that. The colors, are, the colors are too bright. It's just like yeah, like this is not supposed to be like a Looney Tunes cartoon. What <laughs> what's, what's happening? And then the watchers, you can't trust those watchers. Never. I tell Something's you. Something's afoot there. My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the Grand Poobah laying down the hammer. Yeah. Nice. Uh, what do we got for Captain Marvel, Aaron? I really like that. I um <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna be honest. I kind of wish this was the last the, the next actual episode as opposed to being the <laughs> the story arc that picked up last week. Because I like this better. Um, I I like, I don't know. I didn't know I would like Carol and the Star Jammers as much as I did. Uh, that little dynamic was fun there. I do think there is... Uh, have we gotten a book that was all just Carol's yet? An, uh, an issue that was all just Carol? But not Carol and special guest star. Not since. Not since. No, not this run. Maggie Stoll. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. I, I, no but even that wasn't Maggie Stoll's. Uh, the the A Alpha Team Alpha. Yeah, flight? yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, her life I'm of troubled Maggie. by okay. that. The life of yeah. yeah, but that was that was mom. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm I'm a little troubled by the, that yeah. because I I am enjoying these. But I feel like we're running a course. And I say that because I remember last week there was a lot of talk about Carol going out with the girls. Isn't that like the third time they've done that? That's a, that a yearly thing. Almost an annual thing, so, if you will. Monthly? But nothing new. Oh. But no, ooh, Okay, get you. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm worried about Carol... I, I I don't know. I, I just worry that we are we feel as though we always have to frame her with a group of other people. It probably the last time there were probably two times and they were both with Kelly Sue. It was when it was towards the end of the first run when Emma Rios took over, and it was just Carol with um, Helen, right? Helen, Helen was Cobb. her name? Helen Cobb. Yeah, Helen Cobb in the hospital scenes. Oh, that's, tra- no, that's Tracy. That. That's Tracy. Tracy. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. And uh, and at the start of the second volume of Kelly Sue, when it was just Carol in space with all new characters, mm-hmm. yeah. that's probably the last time it was just Carol doing her own thing. Because the thing is, in those situations, I, I'm okay with that because Carol is a recognizable character. You are there for her. When you put her next to all of these other characters that we are familiar with, 
again and again and again and again, I feel like I'm not getting my Carol fix all the time. Right. And it kind of bothers me, but I don't, I've been enjoying the book. I, I'm just saying, I really want, uh, I really want to, to spend time with Carol. I think in the arc upcoming, there'll be an issue where she's not even in it. <laughs> but then I think you well, may, that's not the direction you, I, you, go, I think you may get what you're talking about. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. It's crazy that this book is almost at issue 40, though. Yeah. And I'm thrilled, honestly. Didn't think it would last this long, so I'm pretty yeah. happy. I was going to say about Black Widow also, because I didn't get to, to go back. Um, as this book was ending and they were doing that, that final thing where they're like sitting around having food, I was mm-hmm. like, this feels like the team has finally gelled to where I... I really wanted this to go. <laughs> like this is where I would have wanted to be the actual next sort of leap. I remember I kept saying how I loved Anya. I loved, you know, that winter soldier popping in and, and out again. I loved Elena. I, I was like, okay, this would have been the, the perfect team to kick off fresh on a, a new mission or some sort of mission impossible type thing. Like pick and choose from this group of people for whatever mission you know, she's on or whatever. I just, I felt like, yeah, we're using, we never see Anya anywhere. And, you know, we're using these cast of characters that you've built up and now they're, I was very sad that I won't get to see them again. So that bothered me, but they say for, for now ending for now. Yeah. With Kelly Thompson off to Substack, who knows? Yeah. Casa Grande is going over to Batman. I'm sorry. What? I saw her in the DC solicits for. What is it with you two? Wow! Saying the word "slit" on the show this week. Slits and slots. uh, She's doing uh, some work at the not like on the Batman proper book, but I thought I saw her name in some Bat books. Because that's when I got the the. uh, I kind of saw the writing on the wall that if she's doing stuff over at DC. Then maybe this book was coming to an end. Look at you reading the tea leaves over there. I I can uh, pontificate from time to time. <laughs> uh, all right, talk to me about Wonder Woman Historia before we do a little bit of news. Uh, Bob Bob handled it very well. It it's it's not so jarringly different than Phil Jimenez, but. Gene Ha, I mean, going back to some of the stuff he did, like with Top Ten and, and some of those books he did years ago. I haven't seen him on a, a standalone issue like this in some time, but he killed it. His his Amazons were breathtaking. And then Kelly Sue's story is it's so powerful. I can't wait to read all three of these books when they're done in, in a nice collected hardcover um, just the through lines, the commentary, um, what kind of the historical significance of what's going on. And it really does line up with the history of the Amazons and, and, uh, the, the, uh, stories of those, those ancient stories. So I, I, I adored this book. I, I love the, the conclusion and what that sets up for the, the third book Amen. with, the. Uh, the gods and in the Amazons and where we are. And it, 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 this is really high, powerful storytelling. 
Right on. Uh, Aaron, you want to add anything? I have to say I had to adjust uh, to the look mm-hmm. of the book, but I do. It's interesting because if you flip through the book, you see different things each time. Like I, there were a couple of times I, I was going back and forth and back and forth to sort of level set myself with the gods that were there. And then you see the little faces in the trees, yes, mm-hmm. things of that nature. I was just like, wow, that's okay. So this is something you can't just, this isn't a, you, you skip through really, really fast book. This is a book that is as much, I know we're talking about comics, but I know sometimes we also sort of flip through the comics really quickly to sort of get the story now, but this book is as much visual in its storytelling as it is, you know, literal. Um, I these things are just amazing um, in the depth of the story that you go. And I literally gasped at the end of this book because I was sort of just like that bastard. He better not. <laughs> He's doing it again, son of <laughs> <Yeah>. a bitch. <laughs> like I, I, yeah, I. It, but then I got sad because I'm like, oh Jesus, how many months are we gonna have to wait? You know for the next one um i loved it i it went by so fast as i was reading it uh, that i you know i really wanted to sort of go back to the beginning and start again and sort of see what i missed um beautiful story of hippolyta though it's a beautiful beautiful story and i know it's gonna go to bad places with some other little amazons uh, it's gonna go to some bad places but i i'm, I'm enjoying the story i'm enjoying i feel as though Kelly Sue has been has told them I'm going to write this book the way I want to write it, and you bitches better stand back and don't come for me for anything. Just, just let me just let me write it. Keep your lawyers don't somewhere else. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Don't ask questions. Just send it to the printer as is, and it'll be fine. I feel like that's what's happening here. Take a lesson, DC. <laughs> uh, yeah. Calling it. Yeah. I loved the commentary in the back, the art process. It made me go back and look at things. Those, yeah, those panels. As Aaron yeah. says, the faces in the trees and the way the notes were put out between Kelly Sue and Jean. Yeah. That's, I love when they do that stuff. Yeah, she describes it. It's, all, it's considered more of a roadmap than a set of blueprints. Mm-hmm. You've got artists, the caliper, uh, Phil Jimenez and Jean Ha and Nicholas Scott. It's a collab- it should be a collaboration. Yeah. You can see that here. And she writes each one to their strengths, which yes. is really a talent, right? Some talented, I mean, it's just a talent some writers have when you know the artists you're working for, you can, you place your faith in them to, to do things that you don't, you know, you don't need to hammer at home. You mm-hmm. know, they're going to return a good product. All right. I like it. I'm looking forward to reading it. Want to move on to some news? News. All right, let's start with a little bit of comic news first. It's a pretty big deal. Uh, Webtoon is doing some more DC-related content. They've announced new titles, including Vixen, Red Hood, Zatanna, Constantine, and more. This is really awesome. Uh, the new slate of DC and Webtoon original comics will launch throughout 2022, uh, starting with Vixen NYC on May 26th. Red Hood Outlaws and Zatanna and the Ripper will follow later this summer. No idea who the Ripper is. Does anybody know the Ripper? Jack? No. 
I mean, that's <laughs> the only Ripper that I know. Um, all I, comics will be. I think ahead. that's a nickname for Constantine. I was gonna say. Oh, is it? Yeah, back so. when he was a punk rock in the back in his. Er, you know, sounds like a webtoons. Uh, it sounds like a radio, like a morning radio show. Is it it the Ripper. Wasn't that Giles' nickname on Buffy? Yes. Yes. No. Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah, there you go. Back in his punk days. So. Santana and the Ripper. Sorry. <laughs> We're going to make some crank phone calls. and no. oh, like, like yeah. the jerky boys? <laughs> yeah. Some oh, crank yankers. They have to solve the Jack the Ripper murders. So it's John Constantine and Zatanna. Going back, okay. Zantana. Yeah. Zantana. <laughs> I can't see <laughs> Zantana. Zantana. Just like the ocean. <laughs> no, the moon. moon is the same as the yeah. emotion. <laughs> that I'm going through. All right. Um, Shut <laughs> uh, they give you. Give you a sample of this vixen uh, book in this article. This is coming from CBR. Uh, the art is really, really gorgeous. I like it a lot. New York City looks great. Um, and yeah, they, they give you, uh, I'll let you all look this up. I don't want to uh, read out all of these um, plot lines and everything, but some of these, some of these sound really cool. Uh, Sarah Dealey is uh, writing the Zatanna and the Ripper book with uh, Ciro on art and then uh, Patrick R. Young is doing Red Hood Outlaws with art by Nico Baskanon. And then uh, Vixen uh, NYC is by Jasmine Walls and lead artist uh, Mano Az- uh, Azumi. So, yeah, I I mean, I, I have really been enjoying Webtoon. I've been talking about it a lot on the show. Uh, Wayne Family Adventures is just an absolute gem. If you're not reading it, you really should be. And I'm excited to see DC mix it up. They get, you know, great exposure with Webtoon. Thousands upon thousands of people read this, you know, stuff off this app every week. And there's so many talented people uh, to throw more DC-related characters and have it be on a platform where you can just tell these smaller stories and have fun with them and have them be lighthearted. It's a win-win, I think. I'll definitely be checking all these out for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody else interested or excited about this? No, I think any new platform that gets these characters out there is is good. I just, yeah, it's fun. They're fun stuff. Uh, we should have more sweet. fun things. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. And if this appeals to a different audience, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And maybe bringing them over to more classic tales later on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, our next story is a very, very happy one. Nimona lives. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the Nimona animated movie uh, after thought to be dead because it was canceled by Disney in the acquisition of Fox and the now defunct Blue Sky Studios. Uh, the Nimona animated movie is going to Netflix. Yeah. So this is, of course, uh, the story from N.D. Stevenson and company. There's a lot of people, uh, directors. Nick Bruno and Troy Quain, uh, who did Spies in Disguise, which I'm going to say I had fun with that movie. I don't care. Fight me. It's it's a little dumb, but whatever. I enjoyed it. Um, 
What the hell is uh, Spies in Disguise? The Spies in Disguise was the, the Will Smith movie where he gets turned into a pigeon. And, oh, yes. Uh, oh. Yeah, Tom Holland is in it, too. Oh, my. Ben Mendelsohn? DJ Khaled is in this in this movie. Look, I, I'm an animation junkie. I, I, I write about it. I work with it. I watch them all. And it, I expected it to be like ho hum, and it was passable. It was okay. It wasn't. It wasn't a nightmare. I think people sometimes think that if it's not this like gigantic uh, money maker, that it wasn't worth the time. But then you know, stuff like Spies in Disguise or Ron Gone Wrong is actually not too bad. Well, there's your pull quote. It wasn't a nightmare. <laughs> Spies in disguise. It wasn't a nightmare. All right. The director okay. taking that one to the. <laughs> hey guys, it wasn't a nightmare. Give me another movie. Hey, Josh uh, Frank so- would have loved to have said that. Oh Jesus yeah. Christ! <laughs> uh, Chloe Grace Moretz and Riz Ahmed are going to be starring in Nimona. Wow. Yeah, this is exciting. This is really this is really cool. So this is coming out in 2023. Uh, and it's going to so uh, Moretz will be voicing Nimona with Ahmed set as Ballister Boldheart and Eugene Lee Yang as Ambrosius Goldenloin. Nice. <laughs> I oh. forgot, yeah, those names I forgot are great, his full yeah. name. I have to reread that book. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. If you've not read Nimona, highly, highly, highly recommend. Uh, Andy Stevenson is amazing. And, and Lumberjanes, uh, let's just write. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Netflix is partnering with Annapurna for Ooh. this. And yeah, I mean, they they found a way to make it work. This is really exciting because this was something that people that were looking forward to it thought they were never going to see. And the reason that it got canceled was so crappy. Uh, it's nice to know that this is going to have a happy ending and that all involved. Like I've seen a lot of tweets today from the team and, and from everybody involved just being so, so stoked that there are people that worked on this for three whole years and then had it canceled on them and pulled out from under their feet. And that's a lot of hard work. That's a lot of, that's a lot of life time and hours to be, you know, slumped over a desk or a computer working on something to have it never come out. And this, you know, this could be the project that is your big break that has you landing on other uh, bigger studio films and stuff like that. So uh, it's really nice to know that those people are going to have their work seen and Nimona will, you know, hopefully get out there to a much larger audience than it already has. I mean, there were, what, three so. quarters finished with this movie when Disney canceled it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was it was all but done. They had, like, maybe a couple of months left to work on it. And then Disney took a look at the content and said, we don't want this because, you know, we're not we're not dipping our toes into this pool. Uh, we have to piecemeal this so don't worry we'll you know we'll we'll give you a character here and there but we're not willing to make these moves just yet so uh you know i'm not here to defend disney they're working on it whatever there there is some stuff coming down the line but it's so it's so masked and so they 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 go to such lengths to to minimize or hide it it's really gross and they need to get better about it um but mona lives that's the key Right. with And with Nimona going to Netflix, who knows? Like maybe a lot of the content that was intended to be in the film and characters can be who they want to be on a platform like Netflix, you can do that. Absolutely. You know, they're not afraid to to represent and to go there when the material calls for it. So 
this is very exciting. I am I am over the moon that they that they get they get to do this. And so definitely, definitely looking forward to that next year for sure. Um, I put two other tiny stories in here just for the hell of it. Uh, Casper is getting a live action TV series at Peacock from the Ghost Bride. Kai Yu Wu is going to be creating this. It's billed as a live action horror adventure series, which reimagines the origin of Casper in a coming of age story that explores what it means to be alive or dead. <laughs> he is a ghost. <laughs> Set in high school, Casper is Britain executive, blah, blah, blah. Uh, when a new family arrives in the small town of Eternal Falls, Casper finds himself entangled in a mystery uncovering dark secrets that have been buried for over a hundred years. This sounds an awful lot like the Bill Pullman and Christina Ricci movie, yeah. Casper movie, which was fantastic. Um, Casper is comics related. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Ran for years. Um, I look. I have a soft spot. I was very much of the age when that uh, Christina Ricci Casper movie came out. I thought it was adorable. I had fun with it. Uh, and you know what? I don't have Peacock, but I'll probably find a way to check this out. <laughs> the great irony is no one has Peacock. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying. They're trying real bad. They're uh, they're greenlighting a couple of really big ticketed things lately. Um, I hope it pays off. I hope you know. I, I hope their investments are sound. I have Peacock. It's it's a good service. Yeah, I mean, I got it for a lot of sports stuff, but they have some good stuff on there. And there you it, go. And it's the home to Parks and Rec now. Oh, that's true. Uh, WrestleMania. Yeah, the, WrestleMania was on Peacock. WrestleMania. Yeah, they have the WWE streams and. No, that, that, it, it's not expensive, and you can get a free version of it too. Oh, nothing you said has sweetened the pot for me. Yes, what has? It's like nothing they said sweetened the pot. Not even WrestleMania. Not even WrestleMania. WrestleMania. <laughs> like, nope, nothing. Beats I'm that. actually uh, in the process of making a master list of all of our subscription services. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> no, no, I need to. I need to do that. I need to kill some of them off. So many hundred dollars a year for Amazon Prime. I can't remember the last time I watched something on Amazon Prime. Go watch Reacher. <laughs> yeah, I would watch Reacher. That was good. I got to finish Witcher season two first. <laughs> Crawling our way through. We watch way too much Bob's Burgers in this house. I can't believe there's a Bob's Burger movie coming out. Hell yeah, there is. And I am ready for it. Memorial Day weekend, baby. I will be there. I love Bob's Burgers this so much. If you a Robo Burger movie, that'd be better. Jesus Christ. <laughs> nah. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, this isn't really a story, but I just wanted to mention it because I think it's ridiculous. They're making a spirit Halloween movie. What? Based what? On, About yes, the stores? Based on, yes, based on the on the, the, the Halloween store costume okay. chain that comes around once a year uh, for all of your Halloween needs. This is the spirit Halloween store <laughs> film in the works. <laughs> Starring, are you ready for this? Christopher Lloyd. Wow. And Rachel Lee Cook of She's All That and He's All That. Fame. And Josie and the Pussycats, right? Wasn't she in that? Yes. Okay. So what, yes, what, what is this the Empire Records high fidelity of Halloween costumes? Here we go. When a new spirit Halloween store appears in a deserted strip mall, 
Three middle school friends who think they've outgrown trick-or-treating make a dare to spend the night locked inside the store on Halloween night. (laughs) (laughs) Soon they find out that the store is haunted by an angry evil spirit who has possessed the creepy animatronic Christopher Lloyd. (laughs) The the kids embark on a thrilling and spooky adventure in order to survive the night and avoid becoming possessed themselves. I can totally see Christopher Lloyd playing like the craggy spirit Halloween shop owner. Here's the thing though. I'm not thumbing my nose at this or whatever the the saying is, because this sounds very goosebumps to me. Yes. And I'm a big goosebumps fan. Granted, I don't know if I am in the age bracket for this. They start to go down the cast list and we get into some like Raven's home business (laughs) and stuff like that. And I'm thinking that maybe I'm not going to know anybody else in this movie, but like animatronic things coming to life and terrorizing kids inside of a Halloween store. It depends on how saccharine they go with that. Could be. That's going to be maybe, yeah. yeah. But you run into an issue because a lot of those animatronic characters are licensed. licensed. You can't have right. Elvira. You can't have the Marvels. You can't have or Jason. There's always a Jason. Got to be a Jason. Yeah. They they have tons of like you know Halloween spirit. Uh, I not think like proprietary or yeah, whatever. I wonder if this is like a, a by doing it via spirit Halloween as the kind of recognizable commodity, they're allowed to kind of get around some of that licensing because it's the costumes that are being like, yeah, God, dude, it's not a- Jason. It's maniac hockey man. Yeah. That's ridiculous and so tacky, but you know, yeah, definitely it's not those- Freddy Krueger. It's Dream Demons, a stripey <laughs> sweater man. Stripey man. <laughs> is that fair use? <laughs> Can we get away with it? I, I, this is madness. I, you want to entertain yourself? Have 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 a designated driver, but have a few shots and walk into a spirit Halloween and just look at the names yeah. that are on some of those packages. They're amazing. Um, look. This it doesn't sound it awful. Be it could be fun. <laughs> it could be fun. I it comes out in October of this year, and it's already it's they already shot it. It's already wrapped. Uh, and yeah, Christopher Lloyd, Rachel Lee Cook, Spirit Halloween coming at you <laughs> later this year. Not a nightmare. <laughs> I thought this was entertaining. I'm like, of course, of course they are. And it also reminded me that they're making a Play Doh movie. I forgot all about that. Thank God, why? John M. Chu is involved. So they're making a Play-Doh movie. They're making a Barbie movie. Transformers are coming back. Slinky. Starting all over again. God. Um, They're not making a Slinky movie, but man, remember when they made Battleship? Yeah. That movie, that movie was terrible. But see, this goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show. All of these movies are so clearly just just money grabs, right? Like, here's a commodity. Let's make the movie. Does it, Who cares? The one saving grace for the Marvel cinematic films that kind of makes it its own case, right, is that they've had this They've had this narrative thread and they're actually putting in the effort to kind of create this combined thing. And that's why I feel like, I don't know, it's gotta, there's gotta be an end to it. And it's not just like a reboot it because whatever. 
Anyway, not to open up that can of worms again. <laughs> Joey brings it full circle. All right. Speaking of bringing things full circle, I think we've come around to the other end of this show, and we're going to wrap it up. At Joey Bertino. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody have any uh, closing statements or anything that they want to uh, let anybody know about before we get out of here? Oh, we're letting them know about our books for next week. There is that. Yeah, we could do that. You know, I have so few that I kind of forgot. Um, I'll go through mine really quick because I, I seriously, I don't have much. Uh, I got Batgirls number five. I am Batman number eight. Superman, Son of Kal-El number 10. Rain number four and Seven Secrets number 16. And that's Oof. it. Well, you forgot yep. an important one there, Steve. Uh, what was that, John? Reckless the Ghost in You. Oh, that's why you asked me if I had it early. Yeah, because it comes out this week. Oh, well then, I'm adding that to my list right now. Sweet. Um, John, what else are you picking up? Uh, Batman Catwoman number 11. Because uh, I have <laughs> almost, to. We're um, almost there. We're almost there. Uh, <laughs> Superman, Son of Kal-El, 10. I am Batman, 8. Black Panther, 5. I'll probably read Eternals, 11. Thor, 22. X-Men number 10, and my son is still on the Venom train with number seven, and it's actually not that bad of a book. I'm enjoying it. Maybe I'll talk about it next week. Al Ewing? Yeah, Al Ewing and Ram V and Brian yeah. Hitch. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm sorry, who? Brian Hitch. Brian Hitch is doing a Venom book? He's done seven issues, and they've all come out on time. No. Get the hell out of here. I am lie. not kidding you. No, I am completely I'm shook. serious. <laughs> I'm shook. I was a little shook too, but it's happening. Brian Hitch is a great Venom artist because all of his characters are like just realistic, but a little too long. Yep. So it's, that's great. And it's splash page after splash page. That's so, ridiculous. Yeah. Brian Hitch's art enrages me. It, it's, it's yeah, it, 100%. <laughs> Talk about the ultimates. Oh, the authority. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> all right. Uh, Aaron, what are you picking up? So once again, there's a pool <laughs> of books <laughs> that I may select from. I will read that pool. Uh, Wonder Woman 76, I believe. Okay, yeah. Uh, X-Men 10, Miles Morales, Spider-Man 37, Superman, Son of Kyle L, number 10. Uh, I think I'm the only one not loving Batgirls 5, but, you know, I'll stay on that train. Captain Carter 2. Seven Secrets 16, uh, Naomi 2, Last Flight Out number 6. There's a book called Breakout that I might eyeball, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, that's number one, and that's it. Okay. Uh, Joey, you got anything? Uh, we all said Batgirls, Naomi Season 2, number 2, Superman, Son of Kal-El. Um, there's a new Steve Niles, Simon Kudransky horror book called A Town Called Terror coming out. I might check that out. Uh, Black Panther number 5, The Reckless Book. Uh, I guess X-Men number 10, Seven Secrets. Uh, there's a new Dark House book coming up called Breakout. That looks pretty cool, too. <laughs> Maybe. I hate you all. And uh, <laughs> and uh, anybody getting Electra number 100? No. With Ando uh, Senti writing? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> This is I like this Alyssa because it says like Electra number 100, the 100th book with Electra name on the cover and it's like <laughs> i'm like that's the that's the Legacy. that's the qualification 
because I saw it, I was like, there is no way there's been a hundred Electra books. Uh, but then, but then I saw that line and I was like, okay, <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, I know I've asked this question before, but I'm just going to ask again really quick. Where are you, where are you getting your books from when you do your list every week? Every week I go to a different website cause y'all yell at me every week. Well, usually you're a week ahead, <laughs> but not this week. No, you're good. You uh, wouldn't yell if you got it right once. Yeah. I Where go, are you going? I go to Midtown World. still. <laughs> I go to Leeds. Right. John goes to Midtown. I go Where to previews. Go, previews. I go to previews. I go to League. League of Comic League. Yeah, that's the, that's usually where I go, but they don't they never have any of the graphic novels on uh on those lists. So I'm kind of looking for an alternative where I'll Previews know World, you I'm... just got to go to the publishers. You got to go to First Second. You got to go to uh, Random House, and it'll give you the list. Midtown, all you right. just scroll straight down through all the publishers, and everything's right there. That's why I use it. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna bookmark those for myself. Uh, Bob, where do you uh, do your thing? Everyone that's just been mentioned. Yeah, I, as you get nearer, kind of fish around. As you go nearer to the release date, Previous World is the most accurate, but they don't list the DC books anymore. That's true. So you have to sort of put in uh, DC releases uh, April 12th. I open up my Previews magazine. <laughs> you get that every month? No, no. I don't have a shop. <laughs> they don't mail it to my house. I get it every month, and it, it's it's getting more and more complicated to, <laughs> to figure out how to order. Oh books. wow! You guys, uh, you guys see this breakout comic that uh, coming out? Sorry, <laughs> all right. That was just for me. You see when you um, take a step too far. Do you see? <laughs> Let the break bust. down. Is it break down? Break down. <laughs> it was met with crickets. I got what I deserved. <laughs> All right. Uh, Bob, you did you say your no. books? Uh, Wonder okay. Woman, Batman, Catwoman, one more to go after this one. It'll be done. It'll be over. Batgirls 5, Captain Carter number 2. Though I, I've already got something here for next week that when I was picking up my copies of Oh My Gods at Escape Pod, Menachem recommended to me this book called Little Monarchs by Jonathan Case which is a mm. post-apocalyptic... It's been 50 years since sunsickness wiped out nearly all mammal life on Earth, and the world is slowly being reclaimed by nature. But now there are two humans who can live and travel freely in the daylight. Ten-year-old Elvie and her caretaker, Flora, a biologist who has made an incredible discovery. <gasps> so it, it's, it's all done in watercolor. It's absolutely amazing, and it's 250 pages for fourteen ninety-nine from... Uh, Margaret Ferguson Books and Holiday House. Nice. So it's a Junior Library Guild Gold Standard Selection. Uh, I'm just noticing that Sandman Universe Nightmare Country number one comes out this week. I might check that out too. It's a black label Sandman book. Hmm. Oh yeah, James Tynan. Yeah. Do y'all see that oh, um, the list for the image anniversary thing that they're releasing? The yeah, I saw that. I I don't know that I'm interested. I, I don't know but, um, that I'm interested because there's like twelve issues at like six dollars, but it's like Scotty Young doing a new strip and this person and that person, and I'm like, wow, they really brought them all out to do this one. Yeah, you know their uh, 20 anniversary still hasn't come out yet. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. All right, uh, now it's time for closing statements. Anything? Anybody? No. All right. 
Um, we might, like I teased earlier, we might have a couple of uh, surprises for you in the next few weeks. We hope to make those things happen. Uh, beyond that, we've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you could send us your comments, your questions, uh, or email us, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. Uh, if you're listening to this on Spotify by any chance, go ahead and rate us on that app. There is a little spot on the homepage where you can give us some stars. Five would be nice. Uh, if not, move right along. <laughs> we are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. Shoot us a question. We haven't answered a question in ages. We're going to have to go and uh, do that sometime. It's been a little lonely over here. So uh, let us know what you're thinking. Pose us, make us some lists, ask us some food-related things, whatever. Um, and yeah, Bob, where can our listeners find Old you? Old-fashioned email, Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. All right. We've already got Joey's information. So, Aaron. I'm going to splice that in there. At Aaron J. Amos. John. At John P. Burkle. And I am at dead underscore anchorus on Twitter and Instagram. So for Bob. Happy Easter. For Joey. Bye. <laughs> for Aaron. Okay. Yeah. It's a wrap. <laughs> for John. We're done. Let's go. All right. Be excellent to each other, everybody. We'll catch you next time on the Talking Comics Podcast. Until then, to be continued.